Good evening. Welcome back once again to Grace Baptist Church. I hope you are having a wonderful day, and I pray that your week is going well. And we're so thankful once again to be able to minister to you through our digital format and our online platform. And we're so thankful that we have the privilege of being with you once again. And uh, as always, welcome back to those of you that have been watching each week. And maybe you are finding Grace Baptist Church for the very first time. We want to welcome you also to our session tonight. There is a opportunity down in the comment section if you could fill out the digital visitor card and you can get some information to us. We would love to get to know you a little bit better. Also, I would invite you that if you would like to find out more about our ministries here at Grace, you can visit our website. It is gracenc.org. Again, that is gracenc.org. And you can find us on the web there. Also on the website, there is a lot of content about who we are and our, our doctrines and that sort of thing. But there's also an opportunity for you is to contact us through our website. And you can click the contact button, send us an email. We would love to hear back from, hear from you and you will hear back from us. We'd like to get a response out to you as quickly as we can. So if that is something you're interested in, let me invite you to do that. Each and every week, I begin by thanking all of you for your faithful financial support for our ministry here at Grace. We are so privileged to have the opportunity to be ministering to people in person here on our campus, uh, especially on Sundays. But we also counted a privilege to use this uh, online platform to be able to reach out to people that are all over the place. And we are so thankful for the privilege to do that. And we can't do what we are doing without your financial support. So you can give toward the work of our ministry by going back to that same website, gracenc.org. And you can click on the Give button, and that'll let you make a donation to our ministry. And I want to always say this, whatever you're able to give, every, every little bit goes a long way to help us continue to do what God has called us to do and be able to minister to you and to your family. We are working through a series of sessions on attitudes, and I don't believe I said this in the last session when we discussed doubt but I want to say it here because maybe you're doubting something. Maybe you're doubting the reality and the truth that your attitude is a choice. That doesn't always seem real, does it? It doesn't seem like that is a true statement. Way back when we started this series on attitudes, we spent uh, some significant time in session one. If you didn't listen to that session, let me invite you to go back and Find session one on YouTube uh, or on Facebook. I believe it's there as well. You can find that first session and that will talk about attitudes because it truly is a choice how we interact with the world in, in which we live. So we talked in the last session about doubt. And sometimes we doubt God. We doubt his goodness. We doubt his provision. Maybe more importantly, we doubt his promises that people will always fail us. There's always going to be people in our lives that disappoint us. But we can't read God through that lens. God is faithful. God is perfect. God is holy. God is just. God's character does not allow him to act in a way that is for our detriment. That doesn't always feel true. We also know that when 
God uh, says something and promises something or commands something, we are to live not by doubt, but by what I want to talk to you tonight. We are to live by faith. Despite the claims of some people, we all have faith in something. We all have faith in someone. Every last person has put their trust in something. They put their faith in someone. If we are going to counter and put off the doubt that rages in our hearts, we must put on an attitude of faith. Now, one of the one of the issues that I always like to think about when we talk about faith, recently, um, not, not a month or so ago, I was talking to our youngest son, and he is very much into science. He likes to study science. He enjoys studying science. And uh, you may not know this, but in a uh, previous career, I guess you could say, uh, in my life, I have a science degree. That was my background. I was in the healthcare world. I also taught uh, part-time at a community college a long time ago, and I taught some science classes, mostly anatomy and physiology, that sort of thing. Well, my son, because he loves science, he asks an awful lot of questions about the debate between creation versus evolution. And, you know, I grew up, again, I was a science major at a public university, I don't ever really remember so much that evolution was kind of forced upon me. I don't remember that. But I do remember is that evolution was assumed. The assumption was that everyone just believed that evolution was fact. And so this isn't a session on creation versus evolution, but I just want to kind of use that as an illustration to talk about faith. I can remember listening to some of the arguments over evolution and saying, Really? I I don't know about that. And so it drove me into doing some personal study, some personal reading. And I came to the conclusion that the evidence of the world in which I see and can touch and feel and taste gives evidence to a creator. And I began to become even more familiar with Scripture. And I came to the, the realization, to the position that the scriptures, the Bible, is inspired by God, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross and to eventually, three days later, raise from the dead as a demonstration that he was God's son and that anyone who puts their faith in Christ could be saved from their sin. And I, by faith, believe that. I believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God as described for us in Scripture, that he literally died on a cross, he was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later he came from the tomb as an outright demonstration of his deity so that anyone who puts their faith in Christ can experience redemption. I believe that by faith. Now, faith then for me began to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. If I believe that God sent his only son to die on the cross for my sins, then I have to believe Genesis chapter 1 that tells me God created this world. Now, before we go any further than that, two observations about those statements. Number one, 
I didn't personally observe either of those events. I did not observe Christ rising, raising from the dead. I did not observe creation. I don't have any eyewitness, personal eyewitness account of that. But neither do those who believe in evolution or those who deny Christ. And again, I, I don't want this session to become a, apologetic for the Christian faith. That's not the point of this. But, but I could go and I could say, based on certain evidences, that in fact the resurrection happened. There were people in that time that were also writing, not just scripture writers, people writing the Bible. There were others that wrote about Christ and talked about his resurrection. And by the way, no early church person um, recanted that. No one came out and said that isn't true. Most of them were put to death for something. If it wasn't true, why would you die for it? And as far as creation goes, when I look at the world in which I see, touch, taste, and feel, it gives evidence to a creator. A long time ago, when I was 16 years old, I met a man, you might have heard of him, by the name of Ben Carson. Ben Carson was a neurosurgeon at the time working at Johns Hopkins Hospital, and I met Dr. Ben Carson. I was a patient in Johns Hopkins at the time, another story for another day, and my roommate was a patient of Dr. Carson. And Dr. Carson would come in to see her from time to time. And he was a very much of a gentleman, a very kind man. And he said something I still remember him saying. He said, every time I perform a brain surgery, I am reminded of the fact that the human brain gives clear indication of a creator. I believe that by faith. I believe by faith that God created this world. Okay, so that's kind of the litmus test of faith. And I say all that to say, even those who believe in evolution and who deny the deity of Christ and deny the bodily resurrection of Christ, they believe that by faith too. We all have faith. The question is, what are we going to put our faith in? And how are we then going to eradicate the doubt that so often permeates in our sinful hearts? Let me begin tonight by telling you what faith is not. Number one, faith is not denying the obvious or the inevitable. In other words, faith is rooted in reality. It's not based in fiction. Faith is based on circumstances. We looked last time at the people of Israel going into the land of Canaan, and the spies go out and they come back with this report. Hey, there are fortified cities. There's warriors in the land. There's obstacles in the land. That's true. Those were true statements. They were accurate. So faith doesn't deny reality. It doesn't deny the circumstances. It doesn't overlook those things, but it keeps them in perspective. Okay, so faith does not deny the obvious. It does not deny reality. Number two, faith is not anti-intellectual. Faith does not distort reality. It is not anti-intellectual. It is based on what I can see and observe. It's not, it's not a, in a sense, blind faith. Number three, faith is not irrational escapism. It doesn't mean that I just choose by faith to ignore reality and escape from reality. No. Faith is not blind optimism. 
In other words, it's not just hoping for the best, even when evidence suggests otherwise. It's not ignoring pain. It's not ignoring suffering. And it's not ignoring the challenges of life. Faith is not based on and does not allow feelings to distort itself. It doesn't, faith is not distorted by our feelings. I may not always feel like having faith. I may not always feel faithful, but feel feelings do not, should not undercut our faith. And the final thing that faith is not, it is not presumptuous. In other words, it does not make foolish decisions in the name of faith that are misguided and not rooted in biblical wisdom. I, I've seen this a time or two, and you probably have as well. I've seen people make a foolish decision. They go out, they find a house they can't afford, and they know they can't manage it. They know they don't have the resources to do it. But you've heard people, I have, say, well, by faith, we're going to do this. Uh, you're, you're being a fool. Okay, so faith is not presumptuous. I make a foolish decision and then expect God to kind of bail me out of that situation. That's not faith. That is actually foolishness. Okay, so we don't want to fall into this idea that faith denies reality, it denies challenges, and it certainly is not presumptuous. One of the classic verses of Scripture that defines faith for us is found in Hebrews chapter 11, and it's found in verse number 1. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now let's talk about this verse for just a moment. Faith is the substance or the assurance, the foundation. The foundation of what? Of things hoped for. Notice this, this confidence. It's hoped for, not an empty hope that is not based in a confident trust in God, not that kind of hope, but a settled confidence, fully confident, the evidence or the proof or the conviction of things not seen. Again, I didn't see God create the world. I didn't see God raise his son from the dead. I didn't experience that. I didn't see Jesus make the lame to walk and the blind to see. I didn't see that. But by faith, I believe that. I have confidence, a settled confidence that those things are true. Let me offer a, another translation of Hebrews 11, verse 1. This comes from um, a scholar by the name of F.F. F. Bruce. He said it this way. He said, Now faith is the firm foundation on what we hope for. It's a conviction regarding the things not seen. I love that. This settled conviction. Now, what happens in the rest of Hebrews 11, if you're familiar with this chapter, it's one of the more well-known chapters in the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews, after he makes this statement in verse 1, gives us a very long list of people that are giving us illustration of, of what faith looks like. Now, there's a particular one that I want to draw your attention to, and it's actually found in verse 23. So if you have your Bible there with you, you can jump down to that text. And I'm going to read just a few verses, uh, verse 23 and a few following that. It says this, by faith, Moses, we've been talking a lot about him in this series, mostly how people criticized him and attacked him and 
ridiculed him and and were critical against him. But Moses, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. edict. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He says in verse 26, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Notice verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Verse 28, by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not, might not touch them. By faith, verse 29, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Now, verse 28, between verse 28 and verse 30, there is a historical gap. By faith, the people of Israel departed from Egypt, came to the Dead Sea, excuse me, the Red Sea, and God miraculously allowed them to pass through the Red Sea on dry land, and the people of Egypt, the armies of Egypt, were not able to cross. God miraculously delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, brings them through the Red Sea, and he brings them to the point we studied last week as they go through the wilderness, they come to the borders of Canaan, and God says, I have given you this land, I have promised that you will inhabit this land, and yet the spies come back and they say, yeah, we can't do it. There's too many obstacles The people are too powerful. The cities are too strong. The same God that just divided the sea is giving you this land, and yet doubt crept into their hearts. And they didn't follow God's promises. They didn't follow God's commandments. Now, what is interesting is that by faith, they crossed through the Red Sea. By their doubt, they became critical and grumbled against God and grumbled against Moses. They even wanted to choose a new leader in numbers, as we studied last week, and go back to Egypt. They wanted to stone Joshua. They wanted to stone Caleb. They didn't want to hear it anymore. What happened to their faith? By faith, they went through the Red Sea. Through doubt, they grumbled and complained and disobeyed God. You see, faith is an important element in our Christian life because we can't obey God without faith. We can't follow God without faith. And I mentioned there's a historical gap. So we have this crossing of the Red Sea. And then verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. This is later, after they finally go into the land. That faith, by faith, Joshua led the people. The same Joshua, by the way, that said, no, we should take the land now. Caleb, we should take the land now. And Joshua and Caleb became predominant in the people of Israel when they finally did go into the land. These were men that God blessed. Why? Because they were men of faith. 
What is interesting, and, and I don't have time in this short session to get into it, but in verse 32, there's some interesting people that make this list. It says, And what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. Samson? Jephthah? Men of faith? Go read their lives. And yet we find here, as we as I think so often, the faith of a mustard seed, even the tiniest amount of faith can overcome even the greatest of obstacles. It tells you how faithless the people of God became when they entered into or brought, brought to the edge of the promised land, but failed to enter because they feared man more than they feared God. So let's break down faith for just a few minutes in our time remaining tonight. What do we do with faith? How do we live this? Let me offer you a quote, a definition, if you will, by faith by James McDonald. He said this, believing the word of God and acting upon it, no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. Okay, let's take this definition. Let me read it to you again. Again, it's not mine. It comes from James McDonald. He defined it this way. Believing the word of God. Believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. In Hebrews 11 verse 6, the writer said, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so let's talk about faith. Let's talk about that definition that we just read a couple of times. Faith is believing the word of God. It's believing scripture. It is having a settled confidence in God, not a superficial, I hope so. It is a confidence in the God who created us. It's trusting that God is all powerful. He's all knowing that he's infinitely wiser than we are. And he is our eternal creator faith is built on scripture that's why when we have a commandment we obey it by faith love your enemies do good to those that persecute you show faith uh, grace to others and 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 give people um, long suffering and, and bestow upon them grace and mercy by faith by faith, I'm going to do that. I, I heard somebody recently talk about the fact that, well, I had faith that this person, if I treated them right, they were going to treat me right. Well, God didn't promise that. He did promise that by faith, I will love my enemies. By faith, I will, I will pray for those that persecute me. By faith, I will obey God's commandments no matter how I feel about them. So faith is believing God's word. Number two, faith is acting upon God's word. It's not enough to say that I believe. Imagine if the account of the 12 spies had gone differently and the people of God decided, you know what? We're going to follow what Joshua and Caleb said. By faith, we believe that God's going to go and give us this land. And then they went and sat on the hillside waiting for the, their enemies to just fall over and them to walk into the land. What's going to happen? They had to act on what God had said. And so knowing scripture is one thing, but we have to act on 
what God said. Genuine faith always impacts our day-to-day living. It translates into action. So faith is something we live out day by day. Faith, number three, is obeying God no matter how I feel. Fear and frustration can often affect our level of faith. But we have to choose faith and resist the temptation to being paralyzed by emotion, being paralyzed by fear, particularly the fear of man. Because our feelings change, sometimes moment by moment. They're not always trustworthy. But God's word never changes. That's why I have to practice faith based on the unchanging scripture. I have to act upon that scripture by faith. And then I have to practice faith regardless of how I feel. How many of us on a daily basis do things that we don't feel like doing, but we know they're the right thing? So faith is not controlled by feelings. If I wait until I feel faithful, I may never act. Number four, faith believes that God will bring a good result. We said this last session, but I think it bears repeating, is that we have to remember that God does test our faith. And when I I do something by faith, I believe it's the right thing. It's rooted in Scripture. It's an action that pleases God. I have to then trust that God will do something good. And that good may be different than what I expected. It may be different than what I would have personally preferred, but we have to trust by faith that God will do his good work. So let's just run through that very briefly. Again, faith is believing God's word. Faith is acting upon God's word. Faith is obeying God and his word, even when I don't feel like it. And faith believes that God will bring forth a good result. And that good result, by the way, may be eternal. It may be in eternity that we see that good result. So as we end our session tonight, let me give you three ways to build your faith. Okay, to build your faith. Before I do that, let me go back here for just a brief moment. And I want to read to you that definition one more time because I want it, I want it cemented in your head. Again, it's not mine. It comes from James McDonald. He said this, believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. How do I do that? Well, number one, I cultivate my faith. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I have to cultivate my faith. Cultivate my intake of scripture. Number two, I have to confess my faith. Ephesians six nineteen. As for me, that utterance Utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. By faith, I believe that Christ rose from the dead. By faith, I believe that Jesus is the Savior of all. I have to confess my faith, discuss my faith, talk about my faith. So I cultivate my faith. I confess my faith. And then thirdly, I don't have another C for you, but I have an E exercise your faith. Look for opportunities to serve God and do so by faith. Again, what would you do in your life if you were not afraid? 
What would you do in your life today differently if you had faith that obeying God and trusting in God would bring forth something good? Would you act differently in your marriage? Would you live differently at work? Would you live differently in your career? That sometimes by faith, for instance, I have to be honest in my business dealings. I'm going to do that by faith. And God will bring forth a good result. And whatever that good result is, by faith, I will rest in this. And I will rest in God's goodness. John Piper said this. Came across this a number of years ago. And John Piper said this. He said, if you're not suffering in this world, it's because you're not choosing to walk to places where you have to trust God. I love that. Let me read it to you again. If you're not suffering in this world, it's because you're not choosing to walk to places where you have to trust God. Do you have faith in God, a settled confidence in God, a settled confidence in God's promises that are always true regardless of my circumstances? You see, genuine believers in Christ exercise this kind of confidence in God that by faith we do the right thing. By faith, as we read those verses about Moses from the time he was an infant, and by faith we see how Moses lived his life, even when he didn't feel like it, even when people were complaining against him, even when people were criticizing him, even when things looked like they were falling apart around him. Moses lived by faith, not perfectly. But he lived by faith. He had a settled confidence in God that was not based on his feelings. It was confidence that led to action. And it was confidence in God that trusted that God would bring forth something good. Do you have that kind of faith? In your heart tonight, what is, what is more prevalent? Doubt in God? Doubt in God's goodness and grace and mercy and promises? Or faith? Faith that God is who he says he is and faith in the promises of God that leads me to living day by day by faith and trusting in him. What would you do for God today if you didn't fear man? How would your life be different? How would you live differently today if you had settled confidence in God rather than being, rather than being riddled by doubt? Faith. It's the substance that we live from, the confidence that God will do as he, as he promised. Thank you once again for joining us tonight. I hope this was a challenge and a help to you. We hope to see you again next week when we continue on in our study of attitudes. And uh, we'll keep pressing forward. Study is almost there, almost to the conclusion of this study. Uh, but we got a little bit of, of uh, material yet to get through. And so please join us next week for that. Uh, please contact us if you have any questions or any input in tonight's content. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, as we do each week, let me just have a brief word of prayer with you tonight before you go. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness and for uh, your promises and help us and empower us to live by faith in what you have said in your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your week.